Welcome back to episode 101 of Podcast Royal and happy summer holiday to the royal family. So we are light on news today, but we've got a few stories to share and a couple of other segments that we'll discuss later on. But first, Rachel, I think you mentioned we have a listener review to share. Is that right? We do. And I want to thank those who played along with our 100th episode game that Jessica introduced at the end of last episode. I'm going to pick one and we are going to try to guess who this person is talking about. I don't know how we'll ever find out. I guess this person is going to have to like email us or DM us or something and tell us if we're right. But I'm pretty sure I know who it is and I'm pretty sure that I've got it. But let, let me read the review from Miss CGC that says, I just love this show and the ladies who host are wonderful. Thank you for that. Love the lifestyle and fashion coverage. Lots of time, effort, and research goes into the show and it's become my favorite royal podcast. Well, first of all, thank you, Miss CGC. And she closed her review with, if I'm ever in Birmingham, let's grab a drink. And to that, I say, let's definitely do that. Hopefully I am in Birmingham when said drink plans are made. I'm actually in Birmingham at the moment, but I won't be for long. I'm all over the place as Jessica and listeners, you know, but okay, back to the game. So she put what appears to be a rice emoji, (laughs) the camera emoji, the rowing emoji and a green heart. And I have a guess for who this Royal is. So do you want to try? I'll give you the floor. Sure. Okay. Well, I think I know who this is too, but let's talk it out a little bit. So the rice emoji to me, I'm thinking curry. Yes. This person loves spicy food. And I think that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the camera is obviously photography. And then of course we've got the rowing emoji and then the green heart to me. Well, hold on a second before we go to the green heart. Some people might not know what the rowing emoji means for this person. So you want to explain it? Well, this person enjoys rowing <laughs> and, and was like a part of some kind of a crew. Um, well, okay. Let's just say, let's just say who it is. Cause I'm, I'm about to say something that's going to reveal who it is. So well, well, okay. Well, let me say the, the green heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I thought earth shot prize. Yes. Yes. It was, it wasn't just a green heart. It was a, that lot like lime greenish heart. Yes. And so that was the color of this person's dress that she wore to the earth shot prize awards, which I'm sure listeners you figured it out by now go ahead and say it the princess of wales yes okay so i want to that that was my guess as well so i want to back up to the rowing emoji so i couldn't say this without giving away who it was so um when william and kate broke up in 2007 kate was like doing all kinds of amazing empowering things to move on from their relationship and like show like get her power back and not that it was ever given away but you know what i'm trying to say breakups are hard. So she joined a a crew. She joined like a a rowing team. And that was one of the things that she did to, you know, get through that tough time. And so um, that was pretty creative of Miss CGC to put that in there. I'm not sure that I would have done that. And then, yeah, the green heart was the color of that dress. So our, our guess, Miss CGC is, is the princess of Wales, Catherine. So if we are right, I I'm almost a hundred percent sure that we are Um, DM us reach out to us via email and let, or even hell, even read a, or leave another review and let us know if we got it right. But I'm pretty confident in, in that guess. Yeah. And I, yeah, I do have to just give you a big 
pat on the back for the creative because there's so many emojis out there. But when you start thinking about it, it's kind of challenging to put ones together to describe a person. And I don't know that I would have thought about the the rice emoji for the love of curry. And um, I don't know. I just thought it was it was fun. It was fun to play and good job. Yes, that was very creative. Well done, Miss CGC. Well, let's go ahead and get into the Royal Rundown. So I'm going to start us off with a little story about the Sandringham Flower Show. So since we last recorded, King Charles and Queen Camilla both attended the Sandringham Flower Show in Norfolk. And I have to say, if I was a royal, I would put it in my diary to attend all the flower shows Mm -hmm. because they are so beautiful. And to me, they just feel so British, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I would, the Chelsea flower show, all of them. I just, I, I love, I, I, I wish I was, I wish I had a green thumb and I, I maybe I should give it a, a real try. That was one of the things I said I was going to do in COVID and never did baking bread <laughs> and planting a garden. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Well, we've talked a lot about the meaning of flowers on the pod and how the Royals use them to convey special messages. And we've also talked about some flowers that Royals seem to favor. And Rachel, I'm pretty sure I asked you this on a podcast episode a long time ago, but just as a refresher, can you tell us what is your favorite flower? Ooh, that's a good question. So I always like to get red roses from men. Um, I love tulips. <laughs> I, I'm really not picky. I love hydrangeas in the spring. Um, again, uh, my mom is very, is very much, you know, and who she's listening. She always listens. Um, she's so much of a more of a flower person than me. I'm just a casual observer. Like she's really into it. Her favorite flower is Lily of the Valley. And I know my, my birth month is September. So that flower is Aster, which honestly, if you like showed me an Aster, I wouldn't know how to pick it. I, I, I need to get better about this, but do you have a favorite flower? I do. I have a couple I really like. I think my all-time favorite is the peony. Mm, Um, They're just so big and beautiful. Um, I also really love hydrangeas like you do. And I'm particularly fond of the blue ones. Yeah, me too. Those are my favorite. And I just love the little garden roses and they, you know, usually like the white and the blush tones mm-hmm. I actually have a cute little rose bush in a in a potted container in my backyard that I really love so those are my and I have to throw in one more flower I would be a bad Kansan I'm originally from Kansas if I didn't say this the sunflower which is our state flower and it's very meaningful to me so yeah I that makes me want to um get a garden, but I have to have a, a backyard and I'd have to have a house to do that first. So <laughs> I, listeners, I haven't really gotten that into it and I'm not going to right now, but I'm, I work remotely. So I'm kind of auditioning a few different cities to see what, where my next city is going to be. And so I'm, you know, hopping Airbnb to Airbnb right now. I've been doing this since late June and it's kind of fun, but it's not going to last that much longer. So, um, but when I get a backyard, <laughs> maybe I can plant a little garden in it. Yes. Well, of course, the king and queen, you know, if they're going anywhere, they're going to arrive in style. So listeners, if you're wondering if King Charles and Queen Camilla hopped on their bicycles to ride over from Sandringham House, or if they grabbed the train from London to go to the flower show, 
I can assure you that they did <laughs> not. So the couple actually arrived on a classic stately horse-drawn carriage. Really, really cool. I mean, what a way to make a statement, right? Yeah, to come to a flower show in a carriage. And once they arrived, they presented some awards. They greeted members of the public who were in attendance. And then we also saw some photos of Camilla walking through the show, smelling these beautiful flowers. And, you know, when I looked at these pictures, the flowers were so beautiful. It was almost unreal. Like they almost looked artificial. Mm. And if you're wondering where, you know, how they brought these flowers into the show, where they came from. So the show actually featured some of the best nurseries in East Anglia. So that's where they source some of these flowers. And I thought this was a really funny thing. I'm sure you saw this too, Rachel. In the event space, there were some tables off to the side and there were various cakes and pies and looks like desserts with like pastry toppings. And one of them uh, sitting on the table stopped Camilla when she was walking because it was decorated to look like King Charles' face. I did see that. I did see that. It, it even had a crown sitting on his head. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really funny. You could see her checking it out. And I thought that was pretty creative. So Overall, it looks like a great event. A little bit about Sandringham Flower Show. It, of course, features flower gardens you can walk through, but they also have activities for kids. There are crafts, floral art, competitions for various produce, and then money from the event goes to support local charities. I love that. I love all these flower shows. And now, like, I really am, I, let's see if I actually do it, but now I'm, like, really inspired to, to do this whenever, you know, life settles down a little bit. So um, I need to look at those pictures too, because I saw a few, but I didn't really do a a deep dive on it. But well, I I can tell you being here in Alabama, the flowers, um, they take a little extra work than they do in the very wet land of England, Mm -hmm. because the 96 degree summer heat and rain once a week just isn't enough. So you've got to get some fertilizer and a watering can and get out there every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a full-time job, I bet. Um, Well, speaking of the King, he's, I find this to be interesting. He has already surpassed the length of the reign of his uncle, the late King Edward, who of course abdicated the throne to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson in 1936 after just 325 days on the throne. Charles has already, which I feel like we, Charles has been king for five seconds. He's already surpassed. I just think that's interesting context. And so some, this is a total hard pivot, but I also found this interesting. I found this story this week, just when you think, you know, everything about the wedding of Prince Charles and princess Diana back in 1981, you learn something new, I suppose. So I learned this week that Diana had a spare wedding dress as one does, I guess, when you're about to become the princess of Wales, right? So the spare dress was designed just in case the actual wedding dress ever got out or ever got leaked. And while the two dresses are similar and both feature a big skirt, they're also pretty different too. I found this on Hello, by the way, if listeners want to go check this out, you can see a couple of sketches of it and you see a photo of a woman um, sewing the dress. You don't ever see it like on the body or anything. So it's kind of difficult to, to tell what it, what it does look like, but um it is, uh, I don't know if I'd like it better than Diana's actual wedding dress. Again, I feel like I need to see it on a body or at least on a mannequin, but I will say the spare dress, you can tell in the sketches had 
less voluminous sleeves, which I appreciated. I, I would describe the spare dress as a little bit more subdued. Um, Diana, by the way, never even tried on the second dress though. And no one knows where it is to this day. So oh. if somebody, ha- I can't believe nobody knows where this is, but Elizabeth Emanuel, who designed both dresses says, nobody knows where it's at. So if, if somebody has that dress, they're sitting on a small fortune, they could sell that for a ton of money. And by the way, I find this so interesting. There were two guards watching over Diana's wedding gown every day, 24 hours a day. That's how much Diana wanted the design to be kept secret. And they were, um, I don't know, I get probably the media were going through the trash outside of, um, the design house. And so the manuals would put in like fabrics that weren't being used for the dress to kind of throw I guess reporters or whoever was trying to find off the scent yeah it's like it was very serious deal so Elizabeth Emanuel who designed both dresses also designed a hot pink look designed to shock everyone for a pre-wedding ball at Buckingham Palace she Elizabeth Emanuel also created a matching parasol to Diana's wedding dress just in case it rained which I don't think they ever ended up having to use the parasol but I have thoughts about Diana's wedding dress. I have said them on the podcast before. They usually don't go over well. My mom gets very mad at me because she says it's a dress of the times. And I believe that, but that doesn't mean that I have to love it. Right. Um, I've shared it on the show before, but you know what I cannot get enough of? And that is the Spencer Tierra. I, I love that. Like I, and not, not just cause it's beautiful and sparkly and all the things, but just the meaning behind it, which I'll go into in a second. So I do wish one of the Spencer sisters, and by the way, I'm obsessed with the Spencer sisters, Kitty, Eliza, and, uh, I always want to say Abigail because Abigail Spencer was one of Megan's co-stars on suits, but <laughs> her name is Amelia. Um, and Eliza and Amelia are twins. Um, these are the daughters of Diana's brother, Charles. I wish one of them had worn it, um, when, when they got married because it, it's loaded with a lot of like baggage, but it's so beautiful. And it's so iconic to me. I think the fact that Diana chose to wear it over one from her late majesty's collection is honestly, it's, it's pretty empowering to me in a way. It's like saying, I come, I come from good stock too. Yeah. And like my family, my, my family matters too. And, and aristocratic stock at that, you know, we've said before on the show that Diana, when we won't go too deep into this, but Diana was actually more blue blooded and aristocratic than Charles. So um, anyway, I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, you shared some stuff that I was not aware of, but I- I just find it fascinating that the dress is missing. I mean, yeah, how nobody that knows where that dress is. I mean, nobody threw that. Nobody would have thrown that away, right? Like someone's hiding it for sure. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I, I don't know what they're waiting for. Like, maybe they just don't want to sell it. Maybe they just want to keep it for themselves. But somebody has that dress. Somebody, there's no way that somebody was just like, oh, let's just toss this dress. No way. Um, so I would love to, yeah, I'd love to know where that is. Well, maybe one day we'll find out, but until then, so I've got another, uh, update on Prince Harry's phone hacking case. Uh, we'll go ahead and just chat about that real quick. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on this because as we've said before, I think Rachel and I and our listeners are all a little fatigued from all of the, the lawsuits that we've. I really kind of struggle to keep up with because they've changed a lot and there's been so much going on. So quick update. Essentially, Prince Harry has accused the Sun publication of illegally 
eavesdropping or snooping on his private conversations by hacking his phone. So in the latest update that's been uh, that's come out from court, it's been determined that he will be able to go to court, but not on accusations that his phone was hacked. So basically what that means is he can take this under court on claims they acted illegally through the use of private investigators, but he cannot go on allegations that they hacked his phone because there's a six-year statute of limitations related to that offense. And he has actually passed that window mm. from, um, so he's, he's passed the time that he could have pressed charges. So Needless to say, you know, I'm sure he's very disappointed by that and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's those are the rules of the law and mm -hmm. sometimes they're not in your favor. So um, yeah. that's that's pretty much all I've got on that story. Okay. Okay. Good update. So um, on a lighter note, Jessica, I threw this next story in for you specifically and all other dog lo lovers that are listening, including myself, but Jessica, you're, I love dogs, but Jessica, <laughs> you love dogs. So um, in one of the first memorial statues created in her honor and her late majesty's honor, a corgi is at her feet. I find that to be so sweet and so indicative of, of who she was as a person. It really humanizes her. So this statue will stand outside a library in Rutland. It's a seven foot sculpture by high. I'm probably going to butcher this high will Brian Praley. And the late queen is standing in ceremonial robes with a crown atop her head, the order of the garter sash across her gown. And yes, one of her beloved corgis is there too, right at her feet. They did not specify, excuse me, they did not specify which one, but I, I don't, I don't know this at all to be factual, but I'm going to bet that it's based off of Susan, who was like her favorite corgi. Um, but it, I mean, gosh, there was tons of them to choose from. So this just to make this clear, this is not the nat the national memorial that we spoke about on a prior episode. Um, I think we can honestly expect many tributes, all of which, of course, are very deserved to begin popping up for her late majesty as September 8th and the one year anniversary of her passing approaches. But I just thought that was so sweet because they didn't have to include that. They could have just included her in the robes and the, and the sash or whatever. But that that that's so her, you know. Yeah. And I love that you shared that story. I, like you said, I love dogs and I just think it's so sweet that that's how, you know, one of the ways that she's remembered. Um, it, it's, I feel like if she were able to see that today, she would smile too, just yeah. knowing that, that her, you know, one of her beloved corgis was included there. Um, and part of her memory. I, I think that's really special and really personal for her. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's just, again, it's so her. Well, here's one for all the girls out there. So I don't know who of our listeners played with Barbies growing up and who's seen the new Barbie movie. Rachel, I know you have. Mm -hmm. It's still on my list to go see, um, but I may have to actually go see it alone because I was really hoping one of my fellow millennials would go. But at this point, I can't find anyone who hasn't already been. I'll, I'll or see it with you it. again. I'll see, I'll, I'll go see it with you again. I actually saw it on a date and that was very interesting to go with a guy. Um, I, I, I would love to go see it with you. Um, and for those listeners that are, um, that are, that have seen the movie, I cannot stop listening to the song dance the night. Like listeners will, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's from that disco scene where they're all dancing. And like this song it's Dua Lipa sings it. 
this has become the song of the summer for me. Mm-hmm. I, it, you cannot be in a bad mood when you listen to this song. It is so fun. And I will go see it with you next time I'm in town. If, if you can wait that long, but it's, it's, I think that for the cultural experience alone, everyone should go see the movie. Yeah. And I, an interesting choice for a date because I've heard it's a girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did the, bar- <laughs> we did the Barbenheimer challenge. So we did Barbie on Saturday night and then we did Oppenheimer on Sunday night. And those were two like <laughs> incredibly different movies, but yeah, <laughs> we, we wanted to participate in the Barbenheimer craze and it was, it both were great movies. Um, I have thoughts, but this isn't a, a movie podcast. So continue. Well, I loved Barbies growing up and I have heard the Barbie movie is really funny, but you know, I kind of think the Royals must like the Barbie movie too. And I'm wondering how many of them have seen it. I would love Mm -hmm. to know if Catherine has seen the Barbie movie, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to share this story. Zara Tindall's husband, Mike posted a funny photo on his Instagram page in honor of their 12th wedding anniversary. And the photo, I hope you've seen it, Rachel, is of Zara and him as a Barbie and Kendall. Have no, you seen- I actually haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> that, and I need to make a point to see it because Mike Tindall is so funny and Zara is amazing too. <laughs> Listeners know I love her. Yeah, Mike, Mike keeps us laughing over here. So um, and in the photo, his Kindle has this really thick head of hair and the Zara Barbie has long flowing blonde locks under her waist and this extremely low cut top with yoga pants on. It is, it, it will make you laugh. So the caption that he puts says, thanks for the messages. It's been a great 12 years feel we are getting younger. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's crazy because yeah, I always forget that Zara and Mike got married like three months after William and Kate did in 2011. And so, mm-hmm. and like, that was five seconds ago, but um, I have to look at just the thought of Mike with hair is hilarious. <laughs> just that alone will get me to look at the photo. Well, as the Royals, as Jessica mentioned at the top of the show, prepare to head out to Balmoral, their typical end of summer retreat. Harry, interestingly enough, is in Singapore right now for a polo tournament for his charity, Sintabale. And I find that so fascinating because there are, what, nearly 200 countries in this great big old world. And Harry is in Singapore right now as we speak. And William will be there in November for the third Earthshot Prize Award. So, you know, I know, right, of all the countries. So maybe the brothers can bond over their Singapore memories, which is totally wishful thinking and probably never happened. But I can speak some positivity into existence, right? So Harry and Meghan have actually been pretty out front in the news lately. They have bought the rights to the fiction book, Meet Me at the Lake, which now I don't even read much fiction. I'm a nonfiction kind of girl. I want to read this book now. I've written a couple stories about it. And regardless of whether the movie rights were bought or not, it just sounds like a really good book. Um, I think they chose it because there's a lot of parallels with the characters in the book to their lives. Like a character loses his uh, a parent in a car accident. Um, another character has postpartum depression. Um, the, the book is set in Toronto, which is where Megan filmed Suits. So um, anyway, the book is Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. It is a number one book. I'm, you know, I'm a huge reader. You love dogs. I love books. And mm-hmm. so I'm of course going to push everyone to go read because reading is my thing, but um, it's it came out in May. It's our, I think it was the number one uh, I don't know if it was number one, but it was on the New York Times bestseller list for 10 weeks. And it, it wasn't number one at one point. Um, so they are Harry and Meghan are moving into fiction production with Netflix. So they, of course, did Harry and Meghan, the docuseries. They uh, have Heart of Invictus, Harry's 
show coming out this month with Netflix. And then I've heard that Harry's doing a documentary about Africa, which is a continent that is, is of course, close to his heart. But after that, they are really going to move into fiction production. It makes me kind of think of Reese Witherspoon and Hello Sunshine and how she's a big reader too. And she reads books, she loves them, and she makes them into a movie or a TV series. So um, also, I'm just doing like major popcorn, like jumping around with Harry and Meghan News. They, Harry and Meghan released a video last week for a cause close to their hearts. They were matching beige and um, they were in the garden of their Montecito home. Also have heard uh, rumors, who knows if they're true, that they are looking to move to Malibu, Malibu, Malibu um, from Montecito. And Meghan is, I find this so fascinating. Meghan is rumored to be coming back to Instagram. So fans think the Instagram account at Meghan, it's just at M-E-G-H-A-N, is hers. It has no posts. The account is following no one. And the profile picture is vague and it's of pink flowers, which actually could be Megan because Megan's childhood nickname from her mom is flower. Um, again, probably reaching, but the account, the, the account has no posts, Jessica, and has, is following no one. There's nothing happening. And it already has 56,300 followers, which is up from 21,000 last Thursday. So in, in, Five, what five days it's it doubled and and there's nothing there so I think people are just waiting and saying is this her um is she gonna you know make a big announcement there so we'll see what happens yeah we'll see um we'll see if if she starts that account back up again mm-hmm. well thanks for that big rundown on the Sussexes so that wraps up our royal rundown and listeners I don't know if um if all of you have been around since we introduced the What the Royal segment. I've <laughs> missed this segment a lot, honestly. We don't do this one very often, only when we have a story to share. So a quick update on this. What the Royal is just something that someone in the Royal family does that is particularly goofy or funny or maybe just confusing and kind of leaves us scratching our heads saying, what the Royal? <laughs> um, and I feel a little bit bad because we quite often have Fergie always starring in our what the Royal, but I think it's all in good fun. And Rachel and I were chatting about this before we started recording. I think she would really appreciate it, Rachel, and laugh along with us. So um, I feel like she would be proud that she, it, it, obviously this is sponsored by no one, but it's what the Royal sponsored by Sarah Duchess of York. Like it's always her because she's funny. <laughs> she's, she has a sense of humor and she's, she's awesome. So yes. I think she would appreciate it. Yes, uh, definitely. So if she's ever listened to Podcast Royal, hopefully hopefully she enjoys these like we do. So, all right. I am still listening to the Tea Talks podcast, which is hosted by Sarah, the Duchess of York. And every week, it seems like she has some sort of interesting or funny information and you know, last week was really no exception to that. So in case you mentioned, uh, in case you missed the episode, Fergie announced that she has a new best friend named Derek, who she says is very important and saved her life. Now you may be wondering who is Derek? How has he saved her life? Mm-hmm. Well, she goes on in the podcast to explain that Derek is quite literally a boob. <laughs> he is her. I don't think we've ever said that word on this show in, in almost <laughs> three years. So 
Thanks, Fergie, for getting us there, but go ahead. Yeah, he's actually her left boob. So listeners, you'll remember that we shared on Podcast Royal a few episodes back that Fergie was diagnosed with breast cancer recently, and she underwent a single mastectomy and reconstructive surgery on her left breast. So we, of course, as we have said before, we're really glad to see she seems to be recovering well, and we're glad we can laugh along with her about this boob naming story. So in the show, she shared that by giving her reconstructed breasts a name and personalizing it was one of the ways that she was making the most of the situation and overcoming what she's been through. And she also explained that she doesn't really know why she chose the name Derek, <laughs> except that it just made her laugh. <laughs> and she also said Derek is always with her acting as her shield of armor. Am I so, making this up or did she name the other one Eric? Like, cause I feel like I read that some, I, I'm serious. I feel like I read that somewhere or I, there's no way I could have made that up in my mind. Um, I don't recall seeing that anywhere. Um, and I, if, we'll if do some fact it in the podcast, I didn't catch it. So we'll do some fact checking. So actually, as you said that I was like, okay, my God, it's time to finally listen to tea talks. I have, I still, as much as I've been on the road lately, still have not listened to it. So I just subscribed to it as, uh, as you were speaking. So podcast royal has just gotten tea talks one more subscriber and that subscriber is me that i don't even think that's a what the royal i just think that's i just think that's awesome like i just what like what a way to turn you know lemons into lemonade i love that right yeah for sure when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I am debuting a new segment on the show today, so it's kind of a light news week, so I thought and there's also a reason and you'll you'll see why in a second but I'm debuting a new segment right now and we'll do it on weeks where the news is lighter which will probably be um, most of August because the Royals are on holiday but this segment is called Royal Deep Dive so Jessica brilliantly created what the Royal I'm going to bring a new segment to the table today it's Royal Deep Dive where we chat for a moment about a Royal we don't often talk about on the show um, for starters Zara Tindall Peter Phillips, aka my husband, um, Lady Louise, and and maybe past royals that have that have passed away. If you listeners end up liking this segment, and so I thought for the because we talk about like we talk about William and Kate, the King and Queen, Harry and Meghan, like ad nauseum sometimes Sophie but like I I'm I love Zara I love Peter Phillips I love Lady Louise and we never talk about them and so in 
listeners, you probably know who they are, but do you really know anything about them? So that's what this segment is about. And for our debut segment, I thought I would do someone whose birthday is actually today, August 8th, which is the day we're recording the show. So August actually has a few birthdays in the family. Megan turned 42 last Friday. Princess Anne will turn 73 on August 15th. But today's Royal Deep Dive is dedicated to Princess Beatrice, who turns 35 today. She was actually born on 8 888, which I think is so cool. Like, I think that is like insanely cool. How often does that, that happen? Cool. And if she does, like eight is, I mean, I don't know this for fact, but I would assume that eight is her lucky number. If, if it's not, then that's odd. But I actually wrote a story today that quoted an expert as saying that Beatrice is the royal family's secret weapon, that she is, according to royal expert Jenny Bond, accessible, relatable, and universally liked. And another royal expert, Ingrid Seward, said that she would make a great working royal. I agree. I am, I love the York sisters. I think that they're great. I think they have grown up despite adversity into really amazing women. I don't think they should be punished for the proverbial or not proverbial, I guess, sins of the father. And um, I, I just think the world of, of these women and, it, you know, we've watched them grow up just like we watched William and Harry grow up because, yeah. you know, Diana and Fergie were best friends. And so we've watched them grow up too, but we so rarely talk about them compared to William and Harry. So as many of you likely know, both Beatrice and her younger sister, Princess Eugenie have jobs outside of the firm. Beatrice is a consultant at software company Affinity. And uh, again, I just really want to state here for the record that I adore the York sisters. And I mean, just think of all they've been through, of course, with their father, Prince Andrew, like you just talked about with their mother's recent battle with breast cancer. And they still seem so down to earth and just seem like good people. And they've both ended up with the loves of their lives and just seem so happy. And so we, we talk on here all the time. In fact, I think we talked about this in our last episode about how Beatrice's husband, Eduardo Mapelli Mazzi, which I, I used to say mm-hmm. like that all the time. <laughs> and I, like, I just, I, we haven't had the chance to say that lately, or I haven't, but I love his name, Eduardo Mapelli Mazzi. He is the most romantic guy he makes everyone else look so bad like Jessica read out the Instagram caption he made for their anniversary and it's like literally like no one compares like he he is um he is so effusive and and that is my love language like I'm my love language is words of affirmation so bring it on but I am so happy for her and as her mom Sarah Ferguson said when B and Edo celebrated their third anniversary last month Beatrice got her fairy tale and I absolutely love that for her so let's learn a little bit about her shall we so again we talk about her and Eugenie on the show sometimes usually Eugenie probably probably definitely more than Beatrice, but of course, not nearly as much as William and Kate or Harry or Megan. And I think it's important uh, just driving this point home to pull maybe some lesser known royals into the show too. I mean, true hardcore royal fans know Beatrice, but a casual passing royal follower might not. So Beatrice is now ninth in line to the throne when she was born in 1988 as the eldest of Andrew and Sarah's two daughters, she was fifth in line. Of course, she's been pushed down by William's children, Harry's children. Um, Her full name is Beatrice Elizabeth Mary, which I actually didn't know that until I was researching this today. I didn't know what her middle names were. I don't think I did either. Yeah. And she was born at Portland Hospital in London. No Lindo Wing for her debut. 
Her name was an unexpected choice. It wasn't actually announced for two weeks after her birth. And so for context, these days we wait just a couple of days to learn modern royal babies' names. And that even seems like a long time. I think we waited two or three days with George's name. And that seemed like forever. Imagine two weeks. And she was christened on December 20th, 1988 at St. James Palace. So again, of course, her parents are the Duke and Duchess of York. They divorced when Beatrice was seven years old. Her parents got joint custody of her and Eugenie. And I think this is before they lived together at Royal Lodge. I don't think that I, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not 100% sure about this, but I, of course, Andrew and Sarah are divorced. They, they do live together in Royal Lodge, albeit Royal Lodge is huge. But I don't know if that was an immediate thing. I don't know if that happened immediately. Um, but they got joint custody of both girls. And, you know, as I said before, like William and Harry, Beatrice and Eugenie had to put up with growing up in the spotlight and the gross tabloid headlines of the 1990s about their parents during their childhoods. I'm not going to get into all the headlines and all that listeners. If you know, you know, but at the, also at the age of seven, B was diagnosed with dyslexia and she went public with that in 2005 and has been very outspoken about it since. And she went on to graduate from Goldsmiths College. She earned a degree in history in 2011. She has always worked outside of the firm. She's never been a full-time working royal. She's had jobs at Sony Pictures and the Foreign Office's press office before she joined the team at Affinity. She actually even, I think I respect this so much. She actually even once worked as a sales assistant at Selfridges, which if you're not familiar, is a UK department store. Like, can you I imagine? Love that. Yeah, like I, I respect that so much. And she made history, if you want to call it that, by being the first member of the royal family to appear on screen in a project that was not a documentary. She had a non-speaking role as an extra in the 2009 movie, The Young Victoria, which was based on the early years of, you guessed it, Queen Victoria. Um, in her professional life, she was known as Beatrice York. I think probably she's now known as Beatrice Mapelli Matsu, or maybe she kept York. I'm not really sure. She married Edo, who is a property developer in July 2020. Her wedding was actually originally scheduled for May 29th of 2020. But if you remember what was going on at, at that time, COVID pushed it back and made it drastically smaller. And we actually talked at pretty good length about her wedding in our last episode. So I'm not going to go into that all of again, but it was a beautiful wedding. And though Beatrice is not a full-time working royal, she's represented the family from time to time. She's deeply involved in charity work. She even lived in New York City at one time. I just remembered that off the top of my head. So some fun facts about her really quick popcorn style. So she is the first member, I think the only member of the royal family to complete the London Marathon. So that's awesome. She is not only a British princess, but also through her marriage to Edo, she is an Italian contessa and nobile donna or noblewoman. Wow. I'm shocked I said that correctly. I hope I said that correctly. And uh, listeners and Jessica, do you remember that infamous fascinator? that she wore to cousin William and Kate's wedding in 2011. The one she got I so definitely much, do. Yeah. The one she got so much flack for, well, God love her. She auctioned that sucker off for charity and <laughs> raised 81,000 pounds, which she split between UNICEF and children in crisis. I love that. And God, they got so much hell for that. You know, so I feel like that is sort of her own, uh, like how her mom just named her boob Derek. Usually <laughs> was like, I'm sorry, Beatrice was like, 
I'm going to take a situation where I got picked on and mm-hmm. he's the tabloids and I'm going to make something great out of it. And exactly. She- and they got mercilessly picked on and it's just gross. But um, Beatrice also, Beatrice is, the, the York sisters in particular, Beatrice are just, they break, they break barriers in, in ways that are more subdued that you might not know, but um, like Eugenie, who I'm sure we'll talk about in, in this segment at some point, and like how she wore her wedding dress with the open back to show off her her scar from um, back surgery when she was younger. I mean, just like they embrace their imperfections. And that's really inspiring to everyone to do the same. So Beatrice also set herself apart. She um, is a stepmother. And so when she married Edo, she became a stepmom to Edo's son, Christopher Wolf, who goes by Wolfie from a previous relationship. He was born in 2016. And Beatrice herself gave birth to daughter Sienna Elizabeth Mapelli Mazzi on September 18th. 2021 so she's about to be two unbelievably so unlike sister Eugenie she Beatrice does not have a public Instagram but Edo does and that's where he posts all these romantic like sweet nothings about her and makes all of us jealous but Beatrice has I think honestly is having a great summer she's really coming into her own we saw her at her very first royal ascot we saw her at wimbledon she went to the jordanian royal wedding if you'll remember and she looked stunning that was only her second ever tiara moment the first was at her wedding and then she traveled with edo to san tropez so she's pretty much living the life and i'm a big fan and i hope you listeners enjoyed learning a little bit more about her in our very first but not our last installment of royal deep dive our new segment. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely learned some stuff and um, it sort of reminded me of back in our first, I think it was our first episode where we played that trivia game. Yeah, um, we used to play trivia games. We need to do that again. That was fun. <laughs> we do. And you know, I was thinking you were talking about how we saw her at Royal Ascot and it made me think about that beautiful Monique Lillier dress she was in. And then- yeah her gorgeous dresses at the Jordanian Royal Wedding. I loved that icy blue one. Mm-hmm. You liked that more blush nude colored one. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you talked about her statement, Fascinator. I, we've seen her out recently with Edo and she had on some Chanel flats. And so I'm thinking now it totally makes sense that she worked as a sales assistant at Selfridges because she is a fashion girly. She, mm-hmm. um, she loves fashion and clothes. And I love that. Yeah. And I just, I think the world of her, I love seeing her shine. Happy 35th birthday to Princess Beatrice. Happy birthday. So we also, speaking of different segments that we do, we may bring some others in in the fall, but one that we also recently introduced was the listener Q&A. So that is, let me explain that a little bit. That's where if we get a message in our DMs asking us a question where it's something that a listener wants us to talk about, or it's something where we're able to have a conversation and really provide a full long form answer on the pod, we'll do that here. We'll introduce it. Um, so, you know, we'll bring this in anytime we get a question from a listener, um, who wants us to provide a response. So here's our ad saying, please, Please feel free to send us your questions if you want us to have a chat about something or, you know, do a deep dive into something related to the royals, whether it's the British royal family or another family from somewhere else in the world, which Mm -hmm. speaking of, 
our Royals Around the World segment. Our listeners know that very well because we do it pretty regularly. We don't have an update this week. I think a lot of Royals, even those outside of the British Royal family, are just on holiday right now mm-hmm. before things get back to normal in the fall. So we'll bring some more of that back. Yeah, we will never some- stop doing Royals Around the World. I think I've said this once. I've said it a million times. I think that that is one of the things that sets this podcast apart. And I'm going to brag on us for a second. I told you this at dinner the other night that I am trying to find a Royal expert who will comment for a story I'm writing about Royals that are not the British Royal family. And you know what? I can't find anybody. And that's because that is, that's our thing. Like we, we're, I think one of the only shows that, that really hardcore cover, not just the British Royal family, but I mean, we cover Sweden, Monaco, Jordan, like all, all Japan, like all over the place. So I like that about us. And I say that all the time, but you know what? Self-confidence is okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll keep those stories coming as well. And I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah. um, Awesome. I had, I had fun chatting with you, Rachel. Yeah, this is fun. I like, I like having what the Royal back. I like this new segment. So we'll continue to innovate and we're coming up on, you know, our three year anniversary, unbelievably. And so we're just always trying to innovate and come up with new stuff. So here we go. Well, listeners, be sure to hang out with us over on Instagram. We are at Podcast Royal. If you have questions or thoughts, please DM us on Instagram, or you can send us an email at hellopodcastsroyal at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into episode 101 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.